0: Welcome to the Wild Grand Rapids Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged, strengthened, and experienced the presence of God through this message by Pastor Matthew Fuller. All right. You guys ready? Come on! Rachel, can you make a note to not let Jason do the announcements again, please? I try to work myself uh, yeah, that's right. So, I have uh, an exciting announcement regarding Jason, Pastor Jason. He is now, he just quit his job on Friday and has now come on staff here at the church as a community life pastor. Come on, stand up. Yeah, we're extremely excited and honored. He, uh, we went to Toronto in May, and uh, we were at the Catch the Fire. Um, I don't even remember what the theme of the event was, fire and catching it, I'm sure. Um, and during it, Jason had been given a vision from the Lord that he was to step down from his, his job. And to come and serve at the church to, to help uh, just bear the load of everything that, you know, we do here. And so he, it started him on a seven-month seven journey of anxiety. Uh, <laughs> of... Uh, just figuring out the transitioning time. How many you know that transition is an anxious time? It can be an anxious time when you're trying to hear the Lord and figure out what it is that he's calling you to do. But uh, he wanted to leave his job in an honorable way, find a great replacement, raise them up, and then uh, step away so that he could come here and also pursue his own business that he's got going uh, to do j Inc. as a business consultant. So, so for other entrepreneurs in here, hit Jason up. Pay him money and have a better business as a result. All right, you guys ready for this? Okay, man, that was, that was powerful earlier when we were getting into it with uh, evangelism. We were at a, a Reinhard Bonnke, um, it was actually at Voice of the Apostles down in Orlando, maybe six or seven years ago or so, and uh, Reinhard Bonnke was speaking there. And it was honestly one of the most powerful experiences of my life. He asked for a, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, if, if anybody doesn't know who Reinhard Bonnke was, he was just a great man of God, as, as was shared earlier, 79 million people saved. He'd hold meetings where millions of people would show up. Not like, you know, those crusades that we'll see, maybe 100,000 seems like a big number. This guy would have millions of people that would show up to his crusades. It was just unbelievable, and everybody would get saved. Uh, but at this, this meeting, he, when he prayed for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, he said, make a side wind come through this room so that we know it's not the air conditioner. And sure enough, from the side of my face blows a wind through the entire room. I look at my mom, and I'm like, you feel that? She looked at me, she said, yeah, I feel that. That is insane. And he prayed for his mantle to be released upon the entire room. I mean, you know, mantles, people go to heaven, but mantles stay here upon this earth. And it's time for us to pick up the mantle that he's released and to honor what it is that God has done in and through his life. All right, I'm gonna talk a little bit about fear and faith. Conquering fear, as you know, I had to look back and remember, what was this message about again? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's always helpful to have back there. All right, so I want to turn our, uh, turn our Bibles to Nehemiah, chapter 2. We're going to talk a little bit about the life of Nehemiah. And actually, just to confirm what, what the, the gentleman had spoken earlier, is I'm actually talking about when you've been given a vision from the Lord, continuing and uh, pursuing that vision that it is that God has given us. It's literally the word that he just had released here after worship. Uh, What what is his name again? David. David. Thank you. Gracias. I wish my children were in here. They speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Um, I would really like to learn because pretty soon they're going to be having conversations behind my back right in front of me. And I'm going to have no idea what it is that they are saying. So I've I've got to get my game going. I actually had heard from the Lord, really quick bunny trail, heard from the Lord like eight or nine years ago. I actually shared it with somebody in here that I had felt like the Lord had told me to learn Spanish. And at that time, I was like, I have no clue why. And sure enough, my children are in a Spanish immersion program. And I'm like, why wasn't I obedient eight years ago when, uh, when I had first heard that word? So I need to uh, sign up for Spanish classes if anybody wants to help me out. That would be great. Okay, so Nehemiah chapter two, verses 18 through 20. This is a time that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. Down. And Nehemiah had heard about this and he was grieved. He was grieved that the walls in Jerusalem were broken down. And he, he felt like, you know what, this isn't right. I need to stand up and I and I want to rebuild these walls. And he goes to his king at that time and he says, can you please grant me permission to go back to my hometown and to rebuild the walls of my people? We don't want to be a reproach in this land, but, but we want to go and build these walls. And not only will you give me permission, but will you give me the favor that is needed for me to rebuild these these walls. And the king at the time says, yes, go ahead. Here's some notes. <laughs> Show them to people. You got all the timber you need. It's time to go back and to rebuild some walls for your people. So Nehemiah shares this with with those in Jerusalem for for to the Israelites that he is gonna go and rebuild the walls. And in verse 18, he says, And I told them of the hand of my God which had been good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. Can you say, Good work? Good work. But when Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. How many know sometimes when there's a vision that has been given of the Lord, when there's assignment that the Lord has put you on, that people are actually going to try to uh, question your motivations. See, they were mocked. They're saying, oh, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to rebel against the king? And it can make you go a little crazy if you actually stick with it, if, if you actually take that and, and, and take it to heart. But they knew that they, were, they had a good work that they had to put their minds on. So let's turn to chapter four. Verse one, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it. he will break down their stone wall. Like these people, there is absolutely no way anything's gonna come of it. A little tiny fox could break this wall down at this point. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. How many of you wish that you could pray like that still? (laughs) Do not cover their iniquity. And do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together, up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. So they had been given this this assignment from the Lord. (laughs) Nehemiah had decided, I am gonna go and I am gonna build this wall. And they recognized that it was a good work that they were to do. And when the mocking came, when the the questioning came against them, against the entire people at this point, It said that they built the wall together. The entire wall was joined up together up to half its, half its height for the people had a mind to work. See, they were actually fixated on the vision. They were fixated upon the good work that was given to them. And instead of allowing it to slow them down, it actually unified them. It actually brought them together with one mind and with a mind to work. How I many you know oftentimes when we when we experience persecution in the church, it kind of causes us sometimes to slow down. We allow the disunity to come in, the, the, the little voices that come and the, the little foxes that spoil the vine, so to speak. And instead, what it should do is drive us, it should unify us. It should prove that there was a good work that the Lord had started. And now let's get a mind to work on it. Yeah. So I, I truly believe that, that, that we have been in, a, in this place, even as a community, that there is a good work that the Lord has called us to, and when there has been any sort of, of speaking up against us, that instead of unifying us, it is allowing disunity to enter in. Behind me to you know the Lord is calling us back for the mind to work. Am I shaking? Is that what's going on? Is it my hips? Is it the hips? <laughs> I got told last week that I've never shaken so much in an entire message. (laughs) I could put a baby to sleep. I'm just practicing. My wife's due January 25th. All right, I'll try to keep my hips in control. Unless you don't want me to. I wish she blushed. She doesn't even care. At this point, when I say these kind of things, she's just like, ugh. I guess that's what happens after 10 years. Maybe in the first couple, you would have blushed. Hey, how cool is it? It was the first time I was able to actually worship with my entire family this morning. That was really fun. That was cool. All right, except for Sophia. Maybe we should have brought her in here. Maybe not. Alright. Where was I? Where did what just happened right there? Hips. Hips. Mind to work. There we go. Who's got a mind to work in this place? Come on. How many felt that commissioning today? Where can we actually get behind this thing? Like I have a mind to work. I wanna see some people get saved. I don't wanna see fish going from one pond to another pond. Yeah. I don't wanna see somebody coming from one church to another church to another church. It's time to get some baby Christians in here. You know, there's something about babies that actually just brings joy to a household. Do you ever have, walk into somebody's house and it's like, there's just these little babies and everybody's happy and everybody's doing great until the middle of the night. But in general, it just, there's something about kids that just brings joy. Rachel and I will sit at night and we'll just look back at videos of our kids. And it's so funny. We, we, we love to laugh. We love the joy and the life that they bring. And the reason why we can become complacent is because we don't have these joy-filled little Christians in our midst. We need to have new believers around us. We need to be around people that are challenging us, that have been saved for a week and have seen more people saved in a week than we have in a year. We need to, we need to, we need to be around that excitement. And so I'm, I'm taking that challenge. Just last night, Rachel and I had, had uh, dinner for her birthday. She just turned 29 again. And uh, yeah. And when we were out to eat, we were like, you know what? Let's partner together this next year so that we together as a family get to see people get saved. Like, let's get behind this thing. If we believe, do we actually believe in the prophetic? If we believe that the billion-soul harvest is to come in 2020, then we need to actually do something to partake of it. The Bible says that the harvest is white. Now send out laborers into the harvest. When we're saying, Lord, bring salvation, he's saying, then go, get it. Then it's time to go. And so we as a community, as a people, as a body of believers are saying today, we all raised our hand, and are we actually going to get behind this? Are we going to get out and do what it is that the Lord has called us to do and be fearless in our walk? and be fearless in, 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 in actually preaching the gospel of salvation, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. All right, so they're getting mocked, but the people had a mind to work. It, it didn't matter to them. They got together, they got unified as a result of the mocking. And so they, Sambalot sees this and, and, and all the others that are with them and they actually get upset. And they, they decide, you know what? If they're not gonna to listen to our mocking, let's just take them out. And they get a group of people together and they decide that they are going to attack this wall. They're gonna attack the workers without them knowing. They're gonna surprise them. And let's turn our Bibles to uh, verse 15 in chapter four still. And it happened when our enemies had known, had heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. You see, what happened was Nehemiah recognized that the enemy was coming, so he positioned people on the wall in a different way. They were all building, they were all working, but he had heard that there was an attack coming, so they took a step back for a moment and they repositioned themselves. And when, when, the, when Nehemiah had done this and the enemy had found out that they'd been made, it says in the Bible that it brought their plot to nothing. How many have ever had it where, like, it just seems like you're really going through something strong, and then one of your friends is like, hey, I really feel like the devil is just trying to get you with insecurity right now. Yeah. And then it completely breaks in that moment. Has anybody ever experienced that before? It's like it's like your whole life is crumbling apart and then somebody says one simple thing. They expose the plan of the enemy in your life. And once that thing is exposed, the plan goes to nothing. Yeah. So after this, after that the the plot had been brought to nothing, then Nehemiah repositions people. And he says, you know what? We're going to keep on building. So he gives them a sword in one hand and a hammer in the other hand. He keeps watchmen positioned to watch just in case they decide to attack again. But after the step back, it doesn't mean that they stopped. See, the wall still needed to be built, but they just had a different awareness now. There was a different recognition of what the devil was trying to do. So it's like when you hear something in your life, like, hey, the devil's just trying to get you with insecurity, we may take a focused position on that, but it's not gonna stop us. We may take a focused position for a moment, but it's time to start building again. It's time to get building and Being aware that it might happen, being aware that the enemy may try to bring something my way again. I'm not gonna be unprepared now. But I'm gonna continue building this wall that the Lord had called me to build because they had a mind to work and it was a good work. It was a good work that the Lord had called them to. So I, you may not know this about me, but I actually had a extreme social anxiety when it came to specific instances, specific situations. And what those were was any new experience. Like if I had to go, if I signed up for a new gym, I would be terrified, I was shaking again. I would be terrified going to this new gym if I had to go by myself, if nobody else was with me that already knew what to do. Like, where's the locker? Do I say hi to the person that is walking in? Do I pick this weight up or is that somebody else's weight? Until I'm comfortable with the environment that I am in, I would literally be thinking my entire car ride there on how I am going to do the littlest of things. Like, am I going to put my shoes in the top of the locker or in the bottom of the locker? I would go on these business meetings and I would think like, do I say hi to the receptionist? Do I say that I am from Mudpenny or do I just say, hi, I have a meeting? (laughs) And then they ask my name like extreme social fear in a new instance. And it came from an experience that I had when I was 14 years old. I was, I was just going into high school, I was going to football practice, and at the fir- first football practice, I wasn't prepared the way that I was supposed to be. I didn't have my cleats on. I thought that it was just a meeting, but it ended up being like a full practice, and I broke my finger because I slid on the grass and I was humiliated in front of people. So it instilled something within me. Well, I knew that I had this really weird social fear and that it would terrify me. But it wasn't until I had recognized where it had came from when it was actually exposed that I was actually able to fight it in a whole different way. It wasn't until I recognized that this was, I was in an experience that was humiliating at one point in my life. The devil had tried to get me like this, that it now was gripping me with fear for the rest of my life. And once it was exposed, it became much easier to battle. And then so I went like two months. You know what? I'm not going to allow this to slow me down anymore. And I had like a two-month experience experience where the lord just put me in one new situation after another after another after another and i, I to the point where i started laughing on my way there like this is crazy I see that the Lord is just, he's got me building. But I've got an awareness of the way the devil may try to attack me in this situation. But it's not going to keep me off the wall. It's not going to keep me in, in a defensive position. And what can happen so oftentimes, especially in our circle, in our stream, in a charismatic stream, is that when we recognize something that the devil does, we get in position and we don't leave it. Like we get so focused on making sure that we're ready to fight the devil that we forget that there was a good work that the Lord had started and we have to keep moving forward. There is a wall that is to be built. There is a vision that has been given. And if all we're doing is readying ourselves for an attack, then we're gonna become stagnant and we're not going to fulfill the assignment, the destiny that the Lord had given us, the good work to accomplish. So let's let's keep moving here. Let's turn our Bibles to chapter 6. So they're they're really not happy with Nehemiah in, in rebuilding this wall. Chapter 6, verse 1. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, and the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, that there were no breaks left in it, though at that time I had not hung the doors and the gates, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? But they sent me this message four times, and I answered them in the same manner." The attack didn't work, the mocking didn't work, so now let's distract. See, they they believe at that time that Ono was actually a very wealthy city. So in a sense, they were like, hey, what happens in Ono stays in Ono. You know, let's go and let's have a good time in Ono. It's 25 miles away. Let's just go and live the good life for a little bit. Come on, Nehemiah, you've got to be tired up on that wall. I mean, you've been up there for, you know, 50 days at this point, And you've rebuilt this entire thing very quickly. Let's just go and meet in the wealthy town. And what will happen, what he's saying is, I, I want to come and give you a little rest. <laughs> See, when we're building the wall, there can be distraction that comes in the form of worldliness. There can actually be, that creeps into us, this, this pulling away from what it is that God originally called us to do because we could be tired. We could be, you know, we could be weathered, so to speak, and we get distracted. He wants us to come over here and become complacent and dabble in the things of the world. But Nehemiah said, I'm not doing that. So many people say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. It's a really good dad joke. (laughs) I'm not getting down from this wall. Why should I come down to you and let this work cease? So Sambalot sent his servant to me, verse 5, as before, the fifth time, this time with an open letter in his hand. And it was written... It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall, that you may be their king, and you have also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem, saying there is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come, therefore, and let us consult together. Then I sent to him saying, no such thing as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. For they are all were trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and it will be done. Now therefore, O oh God, strengthen. My hands. You see, they were trying to bring fear to Nehemiah, trying to get him off the wall. Nothing else was working, so they're trying to twist and distort his intentions. And he's saying, No, you're actually trying to create a different reality than one that exists. You see, the thing about fear is it tries to actually convince you into something that does not exist. It asks you to respond to a reality that isn't even real. But if we respond to it in the same way that we respond to faith, both fear and faith create. When we respond to fear, we manifest the will of the devil. When we respond to faith, we manifest the will of the Father. And so he's, he's trying to convince him to get down from the wall. Get down. There's, uh, we, we, we've got this, this accusation against you. Stop the work that it is that you are doing. And the very thing that, that he's trying to do, it says that he's, they're trying to weaken his hands. So his prayer is, God, don't stop their accusations. Just make me stronger. He prays to the Lord, make my hand stronger, for this work needs to be accomplished. In the same way in Acts chapter four, the disciples are hearing all of these threats. They're hearing these threats coming against them. And instead of stopping, they say, Lord, give us boldness that we may speak. And what happens is the devil actually sees the very thing that, that you have been given to accomplish your destiny, the very thing that you have been given to accomplish the assignment, which are his hands are the thing that the devil will try to weaken. And it is the thing that we need to press into to pray for, for a strengthening for. Cause when it seems like he's 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 taunting us, when he's trying to hold us down, that we would actually press in deeper into this into faith. All right, next verse, you ready? I'm going somewhere with this. You staying with me? Yeah. Yeah. Verse 10, afterward, I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of, who knows, who was a secret informer. And he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee and who is there such as I? who would go into the temple to save his life. I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin so that they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. So the mocking didn't work. The confusion didn't work. The accusations didn't work. And so now they're trying to actually bring Nehemiah into a place of sin. They want him to respond to fear that he would step out of faith and directly into sin. See, he said, you need to preserve yourself, Nehemiah. There's this great vision that you've been working on, but it's time to preserve yourself because they're gonna come and they're gonna try and kill you. And it even says that they prophesied this over him. You see, there can actually be prophetic words that, that come to us that actually draw us from the very thing that the Lord has sent us on. They're actually prophesied out of fear instead of faith can actually come, that actually, if, it, if it's actually bringing us away from the original work that he has called us to, and it's bringing us away from the people that he has called us to be with, then it's a good indicator that it's probably a word trying to instill fear in us instead of faith. Yeah. If there's not a grace on a word to actually overcome and to continue in what it is that God had called us to, right. then it is probably a dis- a, something in a little bit of a disguise. Yeah. Because the thing about fear is it tries to bring us isolation. It tries to bring us alone. It tries to bring us self-preservation. Because we're actually living according to a reality that doesn't exist, but we're deciding that it is worth living for that than it is walking into the unknown. What fear will do is it will isolate us. It will put up padded walls, sweep the floor, make us feel safe, alone, in a jail cell, away from the very thing that God has called us to walk in. Because it it actually makes a decision ahead of time that something is going to go wrong. It's much easier for me to control the outcome than to allow the outcome to be in the Father's hands. It's much easier for me to control what it is that my future has hold, than to actually walk into the unknown, to put my trust and my faith in what it is that God said that he would do. In the same way, Peter, when he's walking out of the boat, he says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And he says, all right, then come. So Peter walks out of the boat and he starts walking on water. And it says that he sees the wind and the waves in the distance and he perceives that he may drown. Instead of praying, Lord, strengthen my knees that I can keep walking, he decided his future by giving in to the fear. Yeah. See, the thing about fear is we are actually prophesying a reality. When we, when we submit to that perceived reality, we create it. Yeah. Think about it like this. I know for me when I'm around a lot of people and it, maybe I'm insecure in the moment, If I'm focused on my insecurity and I'm focused on wanting to make sure people will like me, I guarantee you the dumbest stuff that you have ever heard is about to come out of my mouth. (laughs) And it actually creates that reality that I'm scared of. I actually create that reality. If I'm I'm nervous of being rejected, I'm going to reject people. And they're going to reject me back. I will actually create the very thing that I am fearful of. And in the same way, with the, with, with the vision that the Lord has given us, to, to, if we respond out of fear, if we respond out of, out of, out of, out of uh, faithlessness, if we're not walking in the presence of God the way that he has called us to walk in, then we're going to create the very thing that we're afraid of. I, was, I met with somebody um, this past week, and we were sitting, and, and we were talking about fear in, the, in, in this meeting. And they had said to me, "You know, I have, at times, have had these social fears." You know, and I said, well, the fact that you're actually sitting right here in front of me, he said, it's, it's afraid, I'm afraid to actually meet with people in leadership, in my life, and in, in these different situations. And I said, the fact that you're sitting here right now means you're exposing that lie. Yeah. The fact that you're sitting across from me, that you have actually decided to press through in faith, means you're not okay with that. Yeah. And if he would have sat back and lived in fear... <laughs> And, and, and thought, what if I'm not able to get close in that relationship? You're guaranteed not to get close in that relationship. You are guaranteeing the outcome when you submit to the fear in our lives. Yes. But God actually calls us to live a life of faith where we trust him above this false reality that's trying to be given to us. So I'm saying this on beginning ahead of this new year of this billion soul harvest. If we're afraid of the rejection that may come, we're never gonna speak. If we're afraid that God doesn't show up and we don't do anything, we're guaranteeing he's not showing up. If we're afraid that they're not gonna receive the gospel so we don't, get, so we don't share it, we're guaranteeing that they're not gonna receive the gospel. We've decided for them. And what happens is we actually become our own God in that situation. We say, my decision on what is going to happen trumps what the Lord has asked me to do. And so what fear actually does is it gets disguised in pride. Where we become the masters of our own future, and as we're mastering our future, all we're doing is pushing everything away from us so that we don't get hurt. We push everything away, like I said, in, outside of our jail cell. It seems really comfortable and safe in jail. When you're alone, people are locked out, I'm locked in. But there's no future. And so if we're actually going to see these salvations, if we if we believe in the billion soul harvest, then we must act with faith that the word says what the word says. Do I actually believe that he is going to act upon his word? Do I actually believe that my experiences, if they don't line up with what's happening in here, then there is a lie that I am believing because I need to elevate my experiences to this, not bring the word down to my experiences. And what happens when we don't see stuff, then we we allow our faith to diminish because we're not seeing what it is that I'm supposed to see, well, then you have to keep pressing. You have to keep praying. You have to keep saying, Lord, strengthen my hands. Lord, strengthen my hands because I know that you said what you said. And if I'm not seeing, if I'm not experiencing the intimate relationships in my life that, you, that I am called to, if I feel like I'm not part of the body, but the Bible says I'm part of the body, then I need to raise my experiences to what this says. I need to crush fear in my life. So let's stand, I'm gonna pray. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would show us those, those areas that, are, that we are hiding behind. The things that are actually blocking us from being able to walk into what it is that you have called us to walk in. Lord, the very thing that, it, that, that is holding us back, the, the fears in our life that we are living the self-fulfilled prophecies of. Lord, I ask that you would crush those and that you would strengthen our hands in those areas, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness to speak. I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness to go and to proclaim your goodness and your love. Father, the the addictions, the insecurities, the sin cycles, whatever it is, Lord, that we are responding to out of fear, that we think are keeping us safe, those places of self-preservation... Lord, that we are hiding behind the doors, trying to control our environment, trying to control our situations because we don't want anything bad to happen. Lord, in those experiences, in those situations, God, give us eyes to see. Just as Nehemiah said, I perceived that this word was given for a different reason. I perceived this word was given so that I would sin, so that I would dishonor the presence of God. So I'm not a priest. I'm not to walk in the temple. I perceive that this has been given for an ulterior motive. Lord, those things that we think are bringing us safety and comfort, that are actually hindering us, that are actually causing us to sin, that are causing us to live lives of isolation, Lord, I ask that they would be exposed right now in Jesus' name. And Father, with eyes of faith, with eyes to see the good work that you have called us to, Lord, I pray that we say, I'm not coming down from this wall. I've got a mind to work. There's a good work that you have called me to, and that's to go into the fields, to go into the harvest, and to bring your children home. So Father, I pray that you would give us boldness. I pray that you would expose those lies, Lord. And that we would be filled with such a grace to do what it is that you have called us to do. Lord, give us single focus. Let us see you, Lord. Let us see you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We hope you were impacted by this message. For more information about the Well Grand Rapids, please visit our website at www.thewellgr.com.